The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. The Gospel of the Lord. Greetings, One Fellowship family and friends. Pastor Paul here, and I am excited to continue in our series today with the ruthless elimination of hurry. But before we dive in, would you bow your heads with me as I begin with a brief word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come, Holy Spirit, come, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, the title of my message today is The Way of the Wilderness. And I'd like to begin by simply sharing a story. Some stories are just too good to pass up. It was around two weeks ago that I came across a story in the New York Post titled, Cat Miraculously Survives 12 Minutes in Washing Machine During Hot Cycle. Let me read the article for you today. He's a laundro cat. A Burmese cat named Oscar proved he had multiple lives after surviving a grueling 12 minutes in an active washing machine after apparently venturing in to take a nap. The poor little cat had his hands on the glass as he was doing the rotations, and he was looking at me. Oscar's owner, Amanda Meredith, tells ABC's Sunshine Coast of the traumatic incident. The Queensland Australian native was first alerted to the two-year-old kitty's ordeal 
when she heard a peculiar meowing sound after her husband, Angelo, loaded bedsheets into the washer. Amanda initially thought the noise was emanating from the cupboard, but soon realized the hair-raising truth. Oscar was in the washing machine. His veterinarian, Dan Capps, later suspected that the cat may have crawled into the unit to escape Australia's frigid weather winter. Uh, or winter weather, excuse me. It was tragic, said the distraught owner, who was forced to wait an agonizing two minutes for the front loader to shut off so the door could open and she could free the feline from the hot cycle. Amanda then phoned Caps, who said the next six hours would be touch and go for the cat. Fortunately, despite getting beaten up by the appliance's fins during the crisis, Oscar emerged from the incident without serious injury, albeit very soft, according to his grateful owner. After a course of anti-inflammatory medication in a 24 our stay at the vet, the lucky kitten was allowed to return home where Amanda says he slept for a full week. I think I have a picture of Oscar here recovering. Look at, look at cute Oscar after a, a, a death-defying experience. Thank goodness Oscar survived, right? I love this line from the owner. Quote, the poor little cat had his hands on the glass as he was doing the rotations, and he was looking at me. Can you do this with me, kids, families? Imagine being Oscar. There you, there you go. And I share this story because I think many of us can relate to it. Be it pre-COVID or during COVID, many of us are tired and wiped out from the latest update about schools, to the latest update about the pandemic, to the latest update about politics, many of us are looking for this crazy time to be over. Amen? To use an ancient idiom, it feels like we're in a wilderness experience, doesn't it? Like we've been led into a desolate place with limited peace and waning provision at least for our souls. A lonely place, a place with no clear beginning or ending. What are we to make of this experience? Better yet, what would Jesus make of it? How did Jesus approach the wilderness? What we discover today in our passage might shock you. Why? Because the wilderness for Jesus was not the last place he wanted to be. It was the first place he chose to be. The wilderness for Jesus was not a place of cosmic correction. It was a place of cosmic connection. And throughout his life, the wilderness was not a place Jesus would run from. No, it was the place he would always run to. As we continue our series on the topic, the ruthless elimination of hurry, and we look at different passages from the Gospels in the life of Jesus, over the next four weeks, we are going to be looking at four countercultural practices of Jesus. 
historically known as spiritual disciplines, where Jesus intentionally created space to be present and saturated with the love of God. It's our hope that as we learn these practices, known as spiritual disciplines, that you will begin to implement these practices, not simply saying, Jesus, I I believe in you, but actually saying, Jesus, I commit to follow you. And this leads me to our big idea, our big takeaway from our passage today. It's quite simple but profound. If we want to follow Jesus in the world, we must first follow him into the wilderness. If we want to follow Jesus in the world, we must first follow him into the wilderness. And we're going to unpack this big idea through two points today. Point one, time in the wilderness was the first priority in Jesus's life. Our passage reads, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. One of my favorite events in one fellowship is when we have the opportunity to baptize individuals into God's family. Typically, we baptize people at the Isle of Palms and around 50 to 100 people show up. And it's an enormous celebration for our church. Check out these pictures. This picture right here is the first baptism we ever had at Isle of Palms from 2015. Isn't it incredible? And I still recognize some of you. It's been several years ago, but I still recognize the hearts. I still recognize the Banks, the Roberts, Jason, Melissa. There's uh, Jerry, Pastor Jerbear, and the Schwartzbergs and others. Maybe you remember this day. And now here's another picture of us celebrating the, the, um, the beautiful act or experience of baptism. This is immediately after our own Carl Anderson was baptized. And I just love that the fists are raised in celebration. Look at Pastor Jerry there on the left and Pastor Cody and there. I am celebrating Carl. And just imagine behind us here, there's like a hundred people clapping and singing and shouting with such joy. Often family members from out of town would come into town, take pictures and videos of the person being baptized. And often even bystanders or strangers would hear all the commotion and celebration, and sometimes they would join in. The whole experience of being baptized into God's family in our family, One Fellowship, is so moving to me. Well, here in our passage, we read the story of Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist as he began his ministry. It too was a remarkable experience. 
Our passage says the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove, as well as the voice of God from the heavens boomed down to say, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Can you just imagine that picture, that scene as Jesus is coming out of the water? And of course, then we read about the celebration that followed, right? Jesus and John the Baptist and all of their followers, they went to Grimaldi's Pizza and shared a big pizza at town center, followed by a trip to TCBY for some frozen yogurt topped by caramel and some gummy bears, and then followed up by a late night bike ride at Smythe Lake to catch a gorgeous sunset. That's what we read, right? No, not exactly. Following Jesus's baptism, our passage continues. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Um, what? Can, can, can you read that again? Where, where did Jesus go? Right after his baptism, he was led where? He was led into the wilderness. To understand this passage, it's important to understand the language of this passage, specifically this word wilderness, which comes from the Greek word eremos. Can you say it with me? Taylor, Tiffany, Jonathan, Mickey, John, eremos. Erimas. That's my best attempt, guys. And uh, according to author John Mark Comer, it can be translated to mean desert, desolate place, solitary place, lonely place, quiet place, and wilderness. So Jesus was led right out of the gate in his ministry to the Erimas, the wilderness the quiet place. By whom? The Spirit. The Spirit of God. Interesting, right? If you're like me, you'd like to know why. Why was Jesus led into the wilderness? Better yet, why are we sometimes led into the wilderness? Was it to punish Jesus to see him struggle as if God is some sadistic bully? No. Jesus was led into the wilderness to be anchored by God. Not in what he would one day accomplish or become. No, Jesus was led into the eremos, the wilderness, the quiet place to anchor him in God's love. Our passage makes this very clear. Multiple times Satan acts, excuse me, Satan attacks Jesus's identity and security by saying, if you're the son of God, do this. If you're the son of God, do that. But Jesus, secure in God's love, doesn't take the bait. In each way, Satan tempts Jesus in the areas of provision, protection, 
and placement in this world, Jesus remains anchored in God's love, recognizing that in that moment and in every moment, what he has is all he needs. The ever-present, never-ending, no-holds-bar love of God the Father. Thus, for Jesus, the wilderness was not a curse. It was a blessing. You see, in the wilderness, the enemy of God tries to reveal everything we do not have. But to Jesus and his followers, the wilderness reveals everything we do have. Which leads me to point two. Time in the wilderness was a regular priority in Jesus' life. And we see this in the book of the ruthless elimination of hurry. I've titled this sermon, The Way of the Wilderness, because I'm a visual person. I'm a visual learner. But in the words of theologians throughout the years, we're really talking about the spiritual discipline of silence and solitude. The rhythm or practice by which we retreat out of the hustle and the bustle and into the presence of God. In returning to this word, Ermas, wilderness, quiet place, Jesus just, excuse me, Jesus didn't go there just to begin his life. He went there over and over and over again to actually sustain his life. Morning, day, and night, Jesus said no to people, no to problems, and no to possibilities to say yes to be with God alone. As listed in Richard Foster's formative book, Celebration of Discipline, he, Jesus, inaugurated his ministry by spending 40 days alone in the desert, Matthew chapter 4. Before he chose the 12, he spent the entire night alone in the desert hills, Luke chapter 6. When he received the news of John the Baptist's death, excuse me, John the Baptist's death, he withdrew from there in a boat to a lonely place apart, Matthew chapter 14. After the miraculous feeding of the 5,000, Jesus went up to the hills by himself, Matthew 14. Following a long night of work, in the morning, a great while before work, he rose and went to a lonely place, Eremos, Mark 1. When the 12 returned from preaching and healing in their mission, Jesus instructed them, come by yourselves to a lonely place, Eremos, Mark 6. Following the healing of a leper, Jesus withdrew to the wilderness and prayed, Luke 5. With three disciples, he sought the silence of a lonely mountain at the stage, excuse me, as the stage of the transfiguration, Matthew chapter 17. And as he prepared for his highest and most holy work, Jesus sought the solitude of the garden of Gethsemane. You see, time in the wilderness was a regular priority in the life of Jesus. And for all the followers of Jesus, it's to be a regular priority in our lives as well. 
And yet, as I say this, I'm reminded of the T.S. Eliot quote, where shall the world be found? Where will the word resound? Not here. There's not enough silence. Last week, we talked a lot about the speed in which we live our lives. How many of us are overcommitted and overscheduled to the point of exhaustion? The big idea we examined last week was that a life of speed is incompatible with a life of love. And here's what we discover as we look at the way of Jesus throughout the Gospels. The solution to exhaustion is not simply taking time off, but spending time in the presence of God. If we're exhausted, we don't need to escape by going and checking our phone for the latest headline or post by a friend. We don't know, need to go binge watch the latest TV series or get lost in the latest movie. We don't need to run to our favorite restaurant like Vicious Biscuit with those sweet potato, excuse me, those sweet potato donut holes with sweet dipping sauce that melt in your mouth and stuff ourselves till we're sick. No. And we don't need to stand up and grab that extra drink or glass of wine when nobody's looking. What we need is time. Time with the giver of life. What if we called out the lies that say we need to have more, prove more, be more to be somebody? What if we dared clean out our hearts and homes from the things that take life, not give it? What if we actually committed to making a plan to open up our schedules every morning to go to the Eremas? the wilderness, the quiet place, to let the redemptive story and promises of God wash over us? Or what if we finally took that silent retreat and shut off all technology for a day and headed out to Memkin Abbey? In the words of Nikki Gumbel, vicar of Holy Trinity Brompton, and commentator of the Bible in one year, Spending time in the presence of God is the most important activity of your life. You need God's presence in your life more than you need anything else. Do you believe that? Jesus surely did. Friends, our big idea is if we want to follow Jesus in the world we must first follow him into the wilderness in silence and solitude to be anchored, secure in his love. As we wrap up our message today, I have one simple next step, which is this. For the next seven mornings, for the next week, say no to all distractions before saying yes to quality time with God. As a pastor, you might think this would come very easy for me, yet I've had to relearn this practice during the COVID crisis. 
What I noticed in my life is that often I would let the messages of the media and social media and text and emails come before my eyes and crowd my soul before first engaging in the word of God in the morning. How about you? But now things are different. Every morning, I am now saying no to technology and saying yes to time in the Eremos, the wilderness, the quiet place with God. And I am finding God's peace is real and it transcends this pandemic in which we all find ourselves living. Friends, if we want to follow Jesus in the world, we must first follow him into the wilderness. Are you ready? Let's go. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your Son to not just love us, but to redeem us and to call us back to you. We really do want to follow his ways and live life to the full. God, would you convict us and cleanse us of all of the distractions in our life? that get between us and you. And you, would you lead us like you led Jesus into the wilderness every day, every week, every month for the rest of this year and for, for the rest of our days. If this is your desire, I invite you to say yes right now. Hear our prayer, God. Anchor us in your love. In Jesus' name, amen.